Welcome to the Education Honestly podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Claire. Today we are talking about social emotional learning. This is just a what is this about podcast with more to come in the future. So let's start off with that. What is social emotional learning, Shanna? I don't know. Uh, could it be maybe something to do with our emotions, perhaps? Oh, I think so. And maybe socializing and getting together with other people? <laughs> yes, and, you know, appropriate socialization and understanding our emotions and how to deal with them. Why are you being so cheeky today, Shanna? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> there's, um, I don't know, social emotional is easy and hard in the same breath. Um, but apparently I talk about feelings way more than I'd anticipated. What do you mean? Uh, so I've got a really, for those who can't see me, um, I've got a five-year-old at home and who turned around to me the other day and looked at me and said, mommy, I just don't want to talk about my feelings anymore today. Okay. I was like, oh, apparently we're, we're, we're in depth into that right now. And it's, um, I actually saw it as really reaffirm, reaffirming because we work really hard on identifying our emotions. Um, they, like, there's four boys um, in our blended family and the emotions from the eldest to the youngest are very, very different. And I'm really glad we're past two, but we're into the beating the poop out of each other. And uh, huh. we're trying to really work on, I feel this way because, and then you have every right to have that emotion but doesn't mean you can beat the snot out of your younger brother so when you go like i feel this way because i know you're like when you say the word feel you're yeah. actually naming the feeling yes. how did you teach your kids to whether you know your own kids or your students yeah how do you actually teach them the names of feelings so we would look at individual situations we started with something really positive wow, we just had ice cream. How do you feel about that? Hmm. I don't know. I get this rumbly thing in my tummy and then there's a smile on my face. Oh, so I think you that think, feel happy right now. And we started describing things based on experiences to build their emotional repertoire. So it's really about taking those, um, what I like to call my gift moments or magic moments where you, it's just completely unplanned, but you recognize that there's an emotion in that moment and naming it right then and there. Absolutely. Like frustrated was something that apparently came to us to identify really easily in our family. Cause all of the boys have been very, very clear about frustrated. And I realized that when my 18 month old said, flexated, uh, we, there was something there and that was a, a, a different child than the uh, talk about the feelings. But then I started realizing how important it was for students and not everybody has feeling conversations all the time at home. I know I had that. Um, I started having that aha moment when I was teaching grade seven and I was, you know, working with a bunch of kids and we were doing activities, but I think it really, and I'll get, I'll share one activity, but before that, um, it really got solidified for me when I went from working with grade seven and eight kids down to grade threes and fours. Mm -hmm. And all of the sudden they didn't have the vocabulary that I was so used to. And I took for granted of with teaching grade seven and eight. Yeah. And then all of the sudden these grade fours, I had to actually explicitly teach. And, you know, um, I've made, 
I probably mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but I'm a big fan of feeling wheel. Yes. And yes. using the feeling wheel <laughs> as the basis yeah. for naming feelings. So your ba- six basic feelings and then the complexity of feelings afterwards, whether they are a, um, a on the gradient. So going, you know, from, uh, you know, angry to yeah. mad to livid you know, or something like frustrated where kids might say, well, I'm a little bit mad, but I'm also a little bit sad. And so you've got a combo of feelings and a gradient of feelings. And yeah, that really came out of me really recognizing that kids need to be taught explicitly. And then it was funny because I ended up working with a group of grade 12 and 13 year old students recently. And I took for granted, I'm like, oh, well, great. I'm working with the older population again, yeah. they should get it. And I realized they didn't either. Mm-hmm. And it made me go back and reflect upon, you know, earlier in my career, yeah. whether or not I was actually teaching, you know, emotional cognition, the naming of emotions. I, I'm not so sure. Yeah. The, yeah. It's something we definitely need to be really, really mindful. And it has to continue, even though you're teaching students like all the way from kindergarten to all the way to grade 12, because different types of emotions happen at different stages. Imagine the emotions when you're first dating. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I totally, oh yeah, you're right. But like you have, you have to be able to have the toolbox of knowing how to deal with those because the first time your heart gets broken, that's not something you know in grade four. I hope not. Yes. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> no, my goodness. No, I would not be ready for that too. But uh, yeah, you're right. Like the, the emotions just get so much more complex as we get older. I mean, I know myself, I see shifts um, around the age of 12, 13, but then really, you know, into high school, there's just so much going on, peer pressure, um, you know, influence from social media oh my god so you just you, i mean we could go on let's not i'm shaking my head at the word social media because it's overwhelming as an adult and there's an emotion for or a feeling for you i feel overwhelmed sometimes by the amount of social media and we're in a totally different stage world now than we were 20 years ago where there was no social media and we're having to deal with different emotions associated with this new technology and that's a whole other podcast but it's just reflecting on how many ways social emotional learning is critical. Well, that brings up a story for me. Go for it. So uh, thinking back quite a few years ago, and it it was with a grade seven class, actually, um, we were reading the book, The Skin I'm In by Sharon, I want to say Sharon Frank. Uh, Sharon G. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I think it's Sharon G. Frank. I'll I'll throw it in the show notes later once I actually look it up for sure. Anyway. Um, the book is all about identity yes, and who you are and what makes you who you are and whatever the context was at the time, uh, it prompted me to do an activity where the ki- with the kids where I took a silhouette of each kid. See, oh yeah, I did the whole thing with the light and traced out their silhouette, yeah, cut really it all cool out. experience. Yep. Cut it all out, put it onto another larger piece of paper that was a different color. And we did this activity where all the kids sat down quietly. I think I probably played some relaxing music to get the kids in the mood and to get into that reflective state. Yeah, that's super cool. And inside they had to write how they saw themselves. So, you know, were they, did they see themselves as soccer players or artists or intellectuals or funny or 
you know, confident, you know, whatever it was that they saw themselves. Yeah. But the aha moment came when I had the kids go around and write how they saw their friends. So let's say with you, Shanna, I would go to your paper and on the outside of the silhouette, that would be how I saw you. So maybe I would write, you know, confident, intelligent, gorgeous. No, thank you. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Well, Claire, I'm assuming you, there was a a caveat or a challenge to make sure they could find their most amazing positive things to say, because not everybody has to like each other, but we've all got to learn to self-regulate and socialize appropriately with people we don't like. Well, and I think it comes back to the, the 10% rule. So, and I, I really remember, sorry. I really, 10% rule? Tell yeah, me more about that. I wish I could remember where I read the research, but I, I literally just read it on Monday. I'll have to look for it. Um, but the idea is, is to find, there's always some commonality between two people having conflict. You oh, yeah. just have to find the 10%. Oh, there's right. some countries that could use that. <laughs> there's some students who need that with their social emotional learning too. Yes, no, absolutely. Absolutely. There are teachers who social emotional learning is so important from a variety of standpoints. As a teacher, I need to be aware of my own social emotional learning. So, cause if I don't have the tools to understand my own feelings, emotions, to regulate, to regulate. How am I going to teach that? How do you stop the kid who drops something heavy on your, like you drop something heavy on your foot by accident and you don't go at them because it's not appropriate. You have a discussion about it. You have to regulate yourself through it. Otherwise it would be a, a gong show and you're just modeling gong show behavior. You know what people before, or what, uh, the word that comes to my mind is you're going to laugh. Patience. Oh, yes. Isn't that what uh, emotional regulation is a little bit? Patience. Oh, just, you know, 99% yeah. of it. I think it goes beyond just patience. You know, it's it's about, yes, managing your emotions, recognizing them, naming them. Yes. You know, one of the things that I like to do is teach the kids to rub their fingers together. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to do this. Okay, Shanna. I'm going to sit myself up, get ready. I want you to take your two, two fingers on one hand and just start rubbing them together. Okay. So you feel, and I want you to rub them so carefully. Okay. That you feel the two, or sorry, you feel the ridges of your figures rubbing against each other. Okay. Yeah. I can feel that now. Just keep focusing on that. Yeah. It's almost like the each ticking of a ridge. And the idea behind putting your attention to something else, physical, like rubbing your fingers together, it gets you out of that negative headspace. Very centering. Yeah. Yes. Very centering. That's the point. It's to get you out of that headspace. So, you know, if you're teaching kids how to regulate, get them that regulation starts with centering in your body first yep. before you're going out. So if you're having a conflict with a friend, you know, you don't want to just fly off the handle because, you know, the bull, the ball may or may not have gone in the goal. Yes. Right. But it's about calming yourself down first yeah. before you engage. Yeah. And that's, and that's a part of it, right? That is all about, you know, handling that interpersonal conflict by managing and regulating your emotions. Yo, absolutely. Actually, I had a really good experience the other day with um, a person I've worked with who was dealing with what he described as anxiety. And we did some slow down breathing and I had him breathe out, breathe in a color 
He picked whatever mm-hmm. color he picked and breathed out a thing that made him anxious and breathed in the color until his brain body all the way to his toes was filled with that color. And he said that sort of t- helped take a bit of an edge off. And then we, um, we took it another step for the, further and I can't even remember the whole thing that we used for that. But at the end of it, he just sat, we happened to be very fortunate. We were sitting in a canoe on the river and um, just sat. I would, we just didn't talk for three minutes and just listen to everything going on around. And by the end, you could see the relaxation. You could totally see the <sighs> feeling like that centered calmness had started to take over. And it was something that we talked about doing regularly just to help each other center. Did you know there are lots of meditations and attunements focusing on color? Really? Yeah, it's it's actually well because you've got the whole color therapy thing, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, we could talk about that one day too. I'm not really uh, up on it, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of theory around color and how color makes you feel and how color can make you relax. I mean, it's the whole Reggio move, movement too. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? So you know, that's another one. That's we could talk about that too. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's you know, it's it's an important subject. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's not important. It's critical. It is critical. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know any teacher who doesn't in some way, shape or form do social emotional learning. I I mean, I think we've been doing it for decades ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're just putting new names to it, new titles to it because we have more research, more learning. And maybe we're also just putting a level of importance on it that oh, it's something yeah. that we've always done, but now we are identifying it and making it a critical, constant part of our yeah. programming. And, you know, it just makes me think back to one of our podcast podcasts with Brooke Charlebois, where we talked about drama and dance and the role that they drama and dance as subject areas can play with social emotional learning and you know it really comes down to that if we want professional growth which we all do as teachers i don't know one teacher that isn't trying to grow professionally absolutely there also needs to be that focus on human development oh no you're so right it should be a non-stop goal from birth to the end of our days and I mean, we are facilitators for learning. And so it is, it is our curriculum. It is just an absolute requirement. So I guess a few things that I am really curious about is, I mean, we've had a, the purpose of today was just to dialogue and have a discussion. But if a parent came to me and said, you know, really describe what social emotional learning is, I think I really want to do a little bit more exploration so that I can explain it very clearly, very succinctly. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. What would you... Oh, at the top of my head right now, I'm just thinking that it's, you know, there's so many things you can talk about. Emotional regulation, emotional cognition, the ability to manage your emotions, the ability to interact with others. Well, maybe that's almost what it is. It's maybe it's a, it's a laundry list almost. Absolutely. And the fact that you can feel more than one thing at once, that is something that I find kids find really difficult to understand. Well, and that, well, and again, I'm, I'm going back to this feeling wheel thing, but it's why I like the feelings wheel, the yeah. colors so that kids can see. So for example, let's say frustration is a little bit of sad and a little bit of mad. If sad is the color purple and mad is the color red, you would take two strips of paper, put them beside each other, 
glue them together and over both colors write the word frustrated so that the kids can see that it's a combination it's of a, or a subset yeah. of feelings. Yeah. It's funny how we always associate red with mad. I wrote a weird, totally random fact that, you know, how uh, bulls chase the red uh, flag. Mm -hmm. They can't see it. They're colorblind. It's just the movement of it that gets them annoyed. Yeah, but red's a power color. That's it why is. they probably use it. Remember, well, that makes sense. Red cars drive faster. But we are associating <laughs> our thoughts and our feelings onto somebody else. I know, it's true. Have but, poor self-regulation, you sir. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, and you know what? And I and I love that you say that because one of the things that I, and I'm going to say this as, a, as my, you know, expanding my personal growth um, and my, sorry, my professional growth and my human de development, I have stopped naming feelings for my, for adults, colleagues that I've worked with, I'm really trying hard not to name their feelings, but to invite them to tell me how they feel. Because you know what? When we're learning about feelings, it's really important to name them. But once we get older and we really understand them, I think it's almost an imposition. You're imposing your beliefs, your life experiences yeah, yeah. by naming their feelings. So I actually decided in the last few weeks, as we were preparing for this podcast yeah. and we were doing a little bit of research that I'm going to stop doing that. I got to say, I ha it happened a couple of times today where I could have done it mm -hmm. and I didn't, but somebody did it to me and I found it very unnerving. And I never realized before until again, we were doing this research for this podcast yeah. that it actually does make you a little unnerved if people name your feelings. What if somebody invites you to share your feelings? So how are you feeling about this? Is that more inviting? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Because you're a willing participant. Right. And you're like, oh, I'm not ready to talk about it. But, you know, and, and that, and I think that's bodes well for kids yes. as well for them to learn, you know, not to make assumptions because I think then it takes away from their ability to appreciate the perspectives of the others. I have another story to go with. Oh, that. cool. Um, so I, my littlest guy was in the bathroom and he um, had one of my beauty products. I can't even remember which one it was. And he wasn't paying attention and he knocked it into the toilet. Oh, gross. so gross. After he peed. <laughs> oh, and I was God. like, oh, okay, buddy. And I, you know, it's, I took the deep breath. I'm not going to lose my Sorry, mind. It's not funny, but it's so funny. Yeah. Okay. But, and this yeah. is, this is, but the thing, funny thing was though, I told him I wasn't upset, but he said, I'm going to take myself to my room and think about what I've done. And I looked at him like, who are you? <laughs> Whoa, why do you think he did that? I think he was so upset that he did something that could possibly upset me and assumed I was going to be livid. He's like, I'm sorry you're mad. I'm like, I'm not. It's a little frustrating, but we'll fix it. It's okay. But needed the time to self-regulate and went to his room and took it. Wow. So I think that really shows, because I know you've been doing a lot of work. It's not, not perfect your, right. all the time at all. Oh, no. <laughs> and I know you've been doing a lot of work as a teacher and as a parent. Absolutely. To build those self-regulation skills. So I think, I think right there is a great example of when it's done explicitly. Yes. Kids, kids pick up on it really early, like the age of five. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And actually, last story, and then I'm, I swear we'll uh, let you have the rest of your day back. I was really fortunate in a parent-teacher interview last year to have a parent talk, um, talk about their uh, student, or child having a feeling that was very strong. 
and had used some of the strategies in class and the, the parent didn't realize that we'd been using it and repeated it back to me. And I'm sitting there like wiggling with excitement in oh my, my chair. And I was like, it's working. I'm, it's, it's working outside of these walls. It's so exciting. And I think, and I think there it is. It's about explicit instruction yes. of social emotional learning. And that's continuously. Continuously. All right. Thanks so much for joining us here on Education Honestly. Remember to subscribe. Please leave a comment or a feedback of positive nature on our Instagram, which is at Education Honestly, or we also have a Facebook page by the same name. We're really looking forward to hearing from you. We will see you soon. And until next time. Bye.